Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. I'm one of your podcast co-hosts, Jeff, and I can be found on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. My co-host and podcast moderator, uh, Matthew, you can follow him on Twitter at HokieSmash underscore ASD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he introduces our guest. Well, we've got some, we got our friends from this, friends from Toffee Talk Now. Uh, uh, before we start, Macon, can you do us a favor? Can you put yourself on mute just for a moment? It'd be, I think you, I'm wondering if you can, if you can put yourself, there you go. Very good job, sir. We were hearing some interference. Thank you so much, man. Uh, we have we have Macon here tonight uh adams he's awesome he's one half of toughy talk and this is just they're they're a previous they're a previous guest they're awesome man they do they they are a youtube channel and a video podcast that really talks all things nc state and they do content ranging from rankings to interviews and fun things that nc state fans never say skits and you can find them on youtube by searching toughy talk you can also listen to their content on all major apps such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Their Twitter account is at Tuffy Talk now. They're 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 a fun, engaging presence on Twitter, and I've enjoyed get I've enjoyed getting to know them. Macon, welcome back. This is I mean, it's many years since we've had you guys on here. Tell us about yourself and anything that you want to plug. The floor is yours, friend. I am. Uh, can y'all hear? Yeah, I'm really been. Um uh excited to be able to join the show i remember the show last year and really had a good time talking with you guys um i think at least for state fans it's been a really fun year last year and it's looking like it's going to be a fun year this year um you know you know knock on wood so but yeah i'm really excited love that where the show for tuffy talk has progressed added a few other members to the show um to help uh lead that and it's been really great thanks for having us on All right, uh, Matt, Matthew, you still uh, muted there? Yeah, I'm still muted there. We're still trying to deal with the pandemic, right? By, by, by <laughs> the errors that I make in a pandemic. Uh, this is uh, this is a show kind of where we review the prior week's ACC football and then preview the next week's uh, making. So who is the most disappointing ACC football team in uh, ACC Week 3? And then give us your flip side answer. Who is the most impressive ACC football team in Week 3? The floor is yours. Yeah, so to me, the most – I mean, it's kind of I – I feel like a little torn between a couple – the two teams, but I'm still really disappointed with where Georgia Tech is right now. I mean, they played um, – was it Ole Miss this week? And I know Ole Miss is a ranked team, but – they scored, I mean, they scored a goose egg against Ole Miss. So I don't understand how that can happen if you're a Power Five team and you can't score. I mean, you're not, I get, I mean, Vanderbilt is another school people really don't think a lot of, or maybe even Rutgers when it comes to Power Five. But um, I was disappointed in Georgia Tech. But then on the flip side, I was kind of was also disappointed a little bit with Miami. Um, I thought more of them this season, and Texas A&M lost to. Uh, Appalachian State the weekend before, and then I know it was a kind of a uh, get-right game for Texas A&M, but I, I thought Miami could have maybe gone in there and gotten a win. So 
that was most disappointing, but probably more at Georgia Tech, I would say. And then the team I've been most impressed with this past weekend, and to be honest with you, been kind of really impressed with them this whole season so far, it's Syracuse. I I mean, I know Purdue is not really the a powerhouse this year, but that's a Big Ten team, and they've put out a lot of really good players into the pros. Um, I think they had uh, David Bell and Karloftis, the linemen last year, year for that. They had Rondale Moore. Um, really good team. and But Syracuse, going into this season, did not have a lot of preseason expectations, um, particularly I think people thought Garrett Schrader was really, really struggling throwing the football around. And seeing what he can do this year with the new offensive coordinator, and I think the guy's last name is Anai, is the last name of the coordinator for Syracuse they hired. He looks like a totally different quarterback. I mean, his uh, they had to kind of come back there at the end to beat Purdue in the really dynamic last few minutes of the game. But, yeah, I would say Syracuse has been the most impressive last week. Those are very good answers. I would, I guess I would say, Macon, that maybe their offensive coordinator has learned that you shouldn't throw – a, uh, a sideways pass to an offensive lineman, and he probably improved on that. You know, he was the offensive coordinator at the University of Virginia, if you remember that call in the in the uh, Commonwealth. <laughs> the yeah, Commonwealth Cup. Got to get back to the basics or the fundamentals. <laughs> yeah, so maybe, maybe he learned from that. I guess I'll, I'll give you a runner-up here. I I don't, you know, Duke is sitting at three and zero, and Syracuse, like you said, is sitting at three and zero, and I think there's a lot of people that probably didn't necessarily have both of those teams starting out three and zero the beginning of the season, and they are both pleasant surprises in ACC play. Yeah, they are. I mean, Duke Duke isn't a surprise. I think this season as well. Um, I, you know, I think I think Mike Elko, he's. Duke has lower expectations, so to speak, for their program in a ways. But the, but Mike Elko has come in, and he's got an undefeated Duke team. Um, went on the road and won at Northwestern two weeks ago. They're, they're, they're much improved, too. I think that kind of goes to the vibe that the Coastal Division has. It would make a lot of sense to have in the last year of divisions in the ACC to have that kind of team like Duke just maybe come out of nowhere and, and – claim a division hypothetically i don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities but yeah they're looking good i just i just kind of am like even i don't know i'm just more shocked that garrett schrader is throwing the ball like he is at syracuse so that's why they're my pick for last week fair enough fair enough jeff you're up friend jeff you're up friend now I'm the one who left myself on mute. <laughs> All right. Um, which which ACC football game are you looking forward to the most in Week Four? And and you said something in your previous answer about uh, how could uh, an ACC football team go scoreless uh, when you were talking about Georgia Tech? And I've got an answer for you, but I'm gonna save it for my open mic so just just hold on for that <laughs> yeah well to answer your question um the the ace the acc you know game i guess i'm looking forward to the most this upcoming week i feel like it's an easy answer for me um it's it's clemson versus wake forest right because clemson 
Um, looking back at their season so far, they haven't really played uh, anybody. They played Georgia Tech, who they played the you know the Atlanta, and they they played them with a really good score. But there's still a lot of questions there with uh, how they're going to be performing the rest of the season with DJ. Um, and I think having to go on the road to Wake Forest and play Wake Forest, who is a ranked Wake Forest team. They did get Sam Hartman back from his health issues, which I'm really glad on as a, you know, as a side note, I'm really glad he's healthy. Um, but I, I, that's the one I'm most interested in because that has Atlantic division implications with um, how that game's going to unfold. As a state fan, I kind of torn. I don't know if I want Clemson to win and, um, you know, I, I think it would be good for Wake Forest to win, but also, I'm like, if Clemson wins, or if they lose, excuse me, then we play Clemson the following week, and I don't want to face an angry Clemson. So, uh, but I, I think that's probably the matchup I'd be most looking forward to this upcoming week. All right. And, you know, when you talk about Clemson, I, I, I went to their game against Louisiana Tech, and, you know, the quarterback, Uyangalale, I, I think he's played pretty decently the last two games. You know, I, I don't think the offensive issues are all his fault by any stretch. I, I think he's he, he has some part of the problem. But the last couple games, I mean, it's pretty apparent that Clemson just doesn't have a lot of speed on their on their offense. They can't stretch the field. Their receivers can't separate, at least not right now. And so th that's going to, that's going to, you know, have their offense struggling uh, almost every game out, no matter how D DJ uh, Oyangale plays because the receivers just can't, can't separate. And then it, and then it becomes exacerbated when he does struggle and the offensive line um, had some good moments. Uh, Will Shipley started to, you know, make some things happen in the second half, but uh, until they find someone that can stretch the field, because uh, you could see Louisiana Tech, I mean, they didn't put any safeties deep. They were five yards off the line of scrimmage, and I think pretty much every team that Clemson plays is going to do that until they can until they can throw the deep ball with some success. Um, so that that's something Dabo is going to have to to figure out. It you know, like you said, against Wake Forest, who um, you know can put up points, and then definitely against NC State. Uh, this two-game stretch might might decide their season. Uh, Matthew, hey, you have a comment here. Yes, you know, uh, our you remember our friend Ralph Russo, right, the national college football writer for the Associated Press. He usually has a column out there on, he, he says, give me some picks of games that are between FBS teams that are 500 that aren't ranked. He always asks his Twitter users for that around the middle of the week. I've got three of them for you. Okay, you ready? You ready, guys? Yep, go for it. Uh, yep. uh, you know what? I probably picked the. I probably picked the. Well, one of them's not five hundred, so I, I should qualify that when I send that to when I send that to the Ralph because this is the just a, a rivalry game, right? It's the the Black Diamond Cup, right? West Virginia and Virginia Tech, which is always some sort of a special thing. But if you're going through these five hundred FBS games, right, between two teams that aren't ranked. And I made these statements to Ralph. I said, this isn't basketball here. I'm talking Duke at Kansas. Both teams are 3-0 and for the first time. I don't know when. I, it would be a good trivia question for a bar if you're at a bar, right? And 
you know, so because <laughs> I mean, Macon just mentioned it. I mean, that Mike Elko is doing a heck of a job at Duke. And then you've got Lance Leopold, who's doing a heck of a job at Kansas. And then you've got Virginia going to Syracuse. Those are going to be some interesting. I will be interested to see if Syracuse can start out 4-0. I think with that comment, you asked that point, that question, can anybody figure out when Kansas and Duke football were both undefeated 3-0 and to start the season? I think I saw it was Fox Sports put out a comment that said um, that I think the four, the four like typical blue blood basketball schools, uh, Carolina, Duke, Kansas, and then I think it was Kentucky, have never started out 3-0 and all four football <laughs> So it's like – what what kind of world are we living in this year? <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, <laughs> but it, yeah, but I think that's pretty. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty interesting stat there, sir. Pretty interesting stat. Go ahead, Jeff. All right, thank you, Matthew. Um, Megan, which which ACC team could be on upset alert in Week Four if they're looking ahead to a game on their schedule or otherwise just sleepwalking on the field? Yeah, this was a more interesting question because I looked through it. And I didn't, oh, yeah, I didn't see a ton of games. I thought, man, I could really see an AC team here overlooking a, uh, a game. But you know, honestly, I kind of coming back to that Clemson Wake Forest a game a little bit. I think, um, I think, I think Clemson and a lot. I think a lot of teams in state sometimes I think learned it's best not to do this. But you could sometimes overlook Wake Forest and kind of think. Over the long history of Wake Forest, oh, it's just Wake Forest, and we're going to go there and get the win. But I, I wouldn't overlook that team, and I, I think have Wake Forest having that little number there next to their name on the TV screen with the ranking, that'll definitely help. And I, I Clemson knows Wake Forest was ace was Atlantic Division winner last year, so I I feel this is a, a, maybe a little bit more. Difficult question to answer, but I, I I think it could be Clemson. I just don't see that in their nature to look past because look past a game like this because they've had so much success and they've been proven they don't really look past games. But I, I mean, it could be them. I, that's probably my answer to this question. All right, um, let let's step out of the ACC for a bit here. Um, it, it looks like it's a little bit of an, a light schedule nationally overall, but you know, what, what national FBF games are you looking forward to the most this week? You know, any that caught your attention and we're wide open. You could, you can look at any matchup. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be ranked teams across the country and then give us your winner of the, that game. But before we go on to that, just a second, before we go on to that, I, I want to ask a follow-up to Macon. Making uh, the spread right now for West Virginia and Virginia Tech has West Virginia favored at minus three. The Hokies offense hasn't been that great, but there is kind of sometimes it can be a special experience in Blacksburg on Thursday nights. Sometimes crazy things can happen there. Do the Hokies have a chance to win that game? Yeah, I think they do. I think that, um, you know, I say this halfway partially with my uh, – my wife and mine, she's a Hokie alum. So, but uh, the, uh, I think Virginia Tech is, I didn't, I didn't know that was the line. I had not checked all this, the lines coming out and going into this interview, but that Virginia Tech at home playing Blacksburg. Um, I know everybody puts a lot of the emphasis on the Sandman entrance, but um, I, I used to, I used to live in Blacksburg for a little bit. Um, and 
they really they they are there whether they're good or bad and i can tell you that particular matchup virginia tech and west virginia fans do not like each other i know the the emphasis was on that west virginia pittsburgh game a few weeks ago and they really don't like each other but there is an there's a similar dislike hatred between those two programs and i can tell you virginia tech will be at least the fans will be fired up for that game. So, yeah, I could totally see Virginia Tech getting that win um, and beating West Virginia there. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because the this is a big rivalry game for me, for me, you know, and, I, and it's one of those things that I, I would like to see scheduled, like, more frequently throughout the, you know, throughout, you know, just have that series extended over a period of several years. To see, I think I think those programs would probably even welcome it. I think it would bring good TV, definitely get ticket sales. It would be, I think it's good for the football. It's Power Five programs going up against each other, so yeah, I think it's what's good about college football. And I'd like to see it in DC again. You know, <laughs> yeah, be nice. All right, go ahead, go ahead, Jeff. You're up, bud. All right, Matthew. Um, yeah, again to the uh, question here, Makem. Uh, let's step out of the ACC for a bit here and, and look at those national games that have caught your attention. So, looking through the schedules for uh, next weekend, the game that particularly, I mean, I got to tune into one game. I'm watch this one. I'm going with that Arkansas Texas A&M game, and it's more to do with Arkansas than it is Texas A&M because. I think Arkansas is ranked yeah, tenth in the poll that just came out, ninth or tenth somewhere in there. And um, man, that that coach there—I don't know his name. Um, uh, I know he's an older guy, but he has really turned that Arkansas program around. Uh, and Pittman. You said what? Pittman. Pitt, yeah, it, yeah, Pittman. It, he has really turned that program around. Uh, Traylon Burks came out of there last year. They're I think it's KJ Jefferson's the quarterback there. I think this could be the game that Arkansas is like, man, let's really solidify. This is going to be a big year for Arkansas football. And um, I again, I know Texas A&M just lost to Appalachian State a couple weeks ago, but they did just get a win against Miami. So I, it, I think it'll be a very nice uh, game. I think it'll be very competitive. I just. You know, personally, inside me, I would really love to see Arkansas get a win there because they just have felt like over the years they kind of were like a, um, like just kind of in the corner, if you will, in the SEC, just like, okay, we just, they're just Arkansas, kind of like, oh, they're just whoever. But I would love to see that game. That game, that one's the more interesting game to me this week if I had to pick one game. Yeah, that's a good call, Megan. And I I I think Arkansas is gonna gonna win that game because I, I wasn't impressed by Texas A and M uh, this weekend against Miami. I know they got the win, um, but and you mentioned them a little bit in your you know teams that in the ACC that disappointed. Um, if 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 Miami if the Miami receivers make a handful of plays or or the quarterback Van Dyke you know hits a couple throws that were there to be made, you know they probably beat but Texas A and M by two touchdowns. Because they were better between the twenties. I mean, we're talking about a muff punt that that set uh, Texas A&M up for one of their two touchdowns. Um, you know, a couple penalties, misplays. I mean, their offensive line uh, really 
really did a good job uh, against Texas A&M, and they were able to move the ball in between the 20s. Uh, but but in the red zone, special teams was, was a complete disaster for Miami. And had they had just played an average special teams game and made a couple plays with their receivers, they beat Texas A&M. I don't think Texas a- – I think the team that you saw against App State, even though they changed quarterbacks, is who they are. You know, they're, ju- they're just not a very good offensive football team. And um, I-, I think it's the kind of game that Arkansas kind of goes in and, you know, puts a stamp and kind of, you know, puts the, the, the final – close out of Texas A&M for the season. I mean, App State, you know, put put almost every nail in the coffin on their season. And, you know, to their credit, don't get me wrong, to their credit, they came back and they, they did beat Miami, but I just wasn't impressed by them. And I still think they have a ton of issues uh, under Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, I, I agree. That would be my game. I kind of, you know, I, I my other game, honestly, that would be interesting, was that Virginia Tech-West Virginia game. So I'm glad we talked about that before then. But, yeah. I, that to me, that Arkansas Texas A&M is probably the most interesting, and I feel like though Texas A&M's been featured the last couple of weeks, at least having that upset with Oklahoma Appalachian State, and then the matchup last week with Miami. So it's kind of like, eh, I don't know if I want to go. I would want to go tune in to go see Texas A&M a third weekend in a row. But seeing my Arkansas play them, and I haven't watched Arkansas yet much, and they seem to be the real deal. That is why I want to watch that game to see if. Can Texas A&M really get right and prove it was a fluke against Appalachian State, or can Arkansas say Arkansas uh, prove themselves like no, we're the real deal this year? That's that's what I'm most in those dynamics there. Yep, um, Matthew, you got to comment here. Yeah, I mean, just I want I want to ask Macon about this first. I got a couple of things here. What and I'll ask you this too, Jeff. What did you guys think of Washington last week going in there and mowing down? Michigan State. I mean, they. It was like the old, the old days there up in Husky Stadium, where it was loud and that place was absolutely shaking. And they went and they they blitzed them. I mean, it was it, that quarterback was throwing darts. Yeah. What? Uh, it was so impressive. Yeah. I, I don't. I. The only thing I know about I know about about Washington is that Penix. I think it's Michael Penix. Is their quarterback, and he is the transfer quarterback from Indiana, if I'm not mistaken. And he was really good there at Indiana. And I, um, he had moments where he had down, and obviously he transferred out. But you know, Washington, I think has found something with him, and it was nice. I, I don't maybe, you know, I don't know how you're Michigan State and you overlooked that game. I think Washington's earned the respect of people, but. Um, it, it, they really did. They really pounded them uh, to get that win. I, I liked it. Um, I know they tried to have like this theme for the game to get a lot of fans out, and but it was nice to see that. I, I like seeing the underdogs in that regard beat the the bigger team. So I liked it. Uh, one one other thing here too. Uh, keep your eye on Kansas State and Oklahoma. I, I know that Oklahoma is favored, but Kansas State beat them last year, and they have a lot of the same players back on that team. Chris Kleiman, you, you guys know I'm from North Dakota. <laughs> Chris Kleiman's the coach at Kansas State and is going to have that same signature rushing attack that the Bison had. And 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a fourth quarter game. I don't necessarily have the guts to pick Kansas State to win, but I think that Clint game is going to be, as they say on ESPN, is going to be a little closer than the ex- experts think. Yeah, and you know, another game that I, and I know we're on this subject a little longer than you probably intended to, but I'd say another game that I'm kind of going to be interested in as well is that UNC-Notre Dame game. I think I think Drake May, as much as I hate to say as a State fan, I think he's looked really good for Carolina as a true freshman. And um, Notre Dame obviously has been this roller coaster of this season of like what in the world is going on there with the new coach and all that. So it's not it's it's an and it's an ACC related kind of game. So I'm I would be interested at that. I know it's going to be at Chapel Hill. Um, I, I mean I. I don't know. I, I just think it's going to be a – that would be another interesting game, in my opinion, to watch. Like, that's, a, that's still a good defense. It's still a good Notre Dame team. It's just they're not performing to what they should, historically speaking, like they have. So that, that, that's another game I'd be interested in. Absolutely. You can stay on this topic as long as you want. You're our guest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're our guest, man. Go ahead, Jeff, man. Go ahead. Yeah, I, th- I think make it that that's a great pick that Notre Dame North Carolina game. Uh, you know, Notre, no, I, th- I I agree. I, I think Notre Dame is is not quite as bad as they showed against Marshall. Um, you know that that's a decent team, but that that's a big opportunity for North Carolina because that, that Notre Dame is offensively challenged. There's no question, and and we you know, we know North Carolina struggles defense, and and this is the kind of matchup that I think works in their favor because, you know, they've definitely struggled against teams that could throw the ball. Chase Bryce and App, App State threw it all over the field, um, even against Florida A&M, that, that they had some, um, you know, upper-level talent in that game and moved the ball um, on them. But but Notre Dame is offensively challenged. So if, if, no, if North Carolina can just get anything from their, from their defense in combination with the Irish's struggles – and you mentioned him. Drake May has looked great to open the season. And North Carolina's offense, you know, Josh Downs, they got playmakers. Uh, that is a tremendous opportunity for North Carolina to start the year 4-0 and um, and probably get ranked for the next season or next week in the week after uh, the week after that. I mean, everybody was giving them so much grief for the two-point win at App State. And, and you know, now that looks like one of the better uh, road wins of the season, um, they're, they've definitely got a, a lot of offense on North Carolina. They get anything from that defense. They, they got a great chance to beat Notre Dame. Yeah, it, it's a pick game, right? That's the opening line. Right. So it really could go either way. I'm, you know, personally, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show my bias here. Personally, I'd love to see Notre Dame get the win. But it's, uh, yeah. hey, if, if Carolina got the win, it'd be an ACC win. Over Notre, I mean that'd be good for the ACC, but yeah, I, I think it, it it could go either way. If, if you're right, if Carolina shows any defense, which it seems like it's switched keys over there, it's they they could you know they could do well. I think it's a good game for Josh Downs to showcase himself nationally there. Um, I think honestly, I think if you get anything out of um, the, their other receivers or um, Omari and Hampton or the other running back there, the other freshman running back, those guys, they, they could, they could, uh, they could win that game. Yep, absolutely. 
All right, Macon. Uh, next question we have here is we're getting close to the end of the podcast. Uh, let's play ACC coaches hot seat. Uh, who are the three hottest coaches seats in the ACC? Um, I think there's two that are really obvious to me. Um, I it's it's Scott Satterfield at Louisville, and it's Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. Um, I don't know which one is hotter. Because different programs, different expectations. Um, I think that Jeff Collins has certainly been probably the most underperforming or has shown the least potential so far um, at Georgia Tech compared to Louisville with Scott Satterfield. Um, but Scott Satterfield is—he's just not. I'm, he's just not living up to putting the a good product on the field all the time. Um, and I know Louisville has seen really high expectations in recent years. So I don't think Louisville is going to tolerate that much longer. Um, and now that they're bringing a lot of recruits, they got a lot of good recruits coming in this uh, up next year, I think, um, using the NIL and things like that. Uh, but I do think those are the two uh, that are the hottest. And then if there's a third one, um, I, you know, I kind of was torn between a third one. Um, but I, I honestly think it could be, it's, I'm torn between Mike Norvell at Florida state and this one might be a little bit different, but I kind of think Mac Brown at UNC a little bit. Um, I know they're winning, uh, and I, I think it's probably more, more Mike Norvell, um, probably than this Mac Brown, because I think Carolina's struggles are more with defense than anything. Um, but, you know, Carolina didn't win a game on the road last year. They just got the win at Appalachian State, so that's a, that's a good start. Um, but Mike Norvell getting the win against LSU, I think, helped him a lot. Getting the win against Louisville helped him a lot. I think the LSU game even more so. Um, but, you know, there's been rumblings about uh, Mike Norvell and Florida State, so uh, they definitely have high standards relatively speaking, because of all the years they've had with championships and um, Bobby Bowden and all that. So they don't put up with much. So I, I think if I had to probably pick three, it would be um, probably one or one A, one B is uh, Jeff Collins, Scott Satterfield, Georgia Tech and Louisville respectively. And then probably in third, I'm probably picking Mike Norvell at Florida State. All right. All right. Another guy, you know, I, I, I think definitely after the the first two, you know, it gets hard to pick a, uh, to, to pick a third and the expectations are so high at Florida state. Uh, but you know, Norvell's definitely got his seat cooler. Um, Dino Babers, um, we hadn't really talked about Syracuse, but you know, that last second win over Purdue, uh, this weekend, uh, with the touchdown pass from Garrett Schrader, uh, or from Schrader, and then, you know, they had the early win over Louisville, which which really got Satterfield on the hot seat. And you know, I think Dino Babers has has coached himself to to a much cooler seat than he started the season with as well. And and you know, Matthew was kind of on the on the bandwagon early on, saying he thought Syracuse could be a bowl team, which not many people thought. Um, you know, at, at their current pace, they might be more than a bowl team. I mean, that they could, you know, that's they can play defense. I mean, that was a really good Purdue offense that, you know, they could, you know, they couldn't, 
didn't quite stop it, but they definitely contained it. Uh, I mean, they got a chance to win, you know, eight or nine games this year if they keep going in in, in this direction. And they're off to a heck of a start. Dino Babers, um, you know, ha- has gotten that seat a lot cooler than he came into the season with. Right. I, I, and I considered Syracuse. They were one of the first – you know, Dino Babers was one of the first things I thought of. But then I thought about how – a couple of things. One, I think – there's slightly lower expectations right now um, at Syracuse. I mean, Dino, Dino's been there for a while, and he's only had really one good season. He had that, like, his second or third year, he had that 10-win season. And then beyond that, he was barely making bowl eligibility for a few years. I think he, you know, the one year he had, like, I can't remember, two, three, or four wins somewhere in there. It was really, really poor year one year. But this success had this year – Okay, well now you're winning and you just beat Purdue and you you're looking really good right now doing it. It looks like a totally different offense. That defense at Syracuse may be the most underrated defense in the country. They're really good defensively. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Dino's probably a guy. I just if he if he were to win, and I think if your your point, I think if Syracuse gets a bowl game, I think he's safe for another year. Just like you're saying, I don't know if does. If Florida State gets a bowl game, I think Mike Norvell's probably safe at Florida State. I just don't think anything's going to really change much about people's perceptions of uh, Louisville and Georgia Tech. But, yeah, Sir- Dina Babers is a definitely a name I considered. Um, I just think, like to your point, they're winning. So it's it, – and, and he's – looks like a totally different team right now than it was last year and – especially on offense. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Syracuse for state just got to keep the momentum going and, you know, their, their, their coaches definitely can build on a foundation for n- next year. So off to a good start. Can't, can't let the momentum slip or, you know, th- those fans will come out of the woodwork in a hurry. Um, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you as we close out the podcast for our open mic session. Okay, I, I, I traditionally we give our our guest the uh, the first open mi- mi- microphone and Macon, if you don't mind, I'm going to go first. I'm going to be just really quick because I want to ask you a question too as part of my open mic. But I want to tell you guys how old I feel here because the backup Macon mentioned the starting quarterback at the University of Washington. Their their backup quarterback, their quarterback of the future is Sam Heward. That may, that name may sound recognizable to you both, Jeff and Megan, because he is the son of Brock Heward, who played there from 1993 to 1995. And his uncle, Luke Heward, who played at North Carolina, and who and, and his other brother, uh, br- his other uncle, Brock Heward, uh, also played at the University of Washington. So this is a story that now makes me feel old. That's the first. <laughs> that's the that's that's the first thing. That's the first thing. The second thing, and I'm just going to use this as a question and give up the balance of my time to our friend Macon because I I I I want to shout out NC State. To, uh, shout out NC State. They defeated to they defeated Texas Tech. And that was a big vic- that was a big victory on a lot of levels, right? It was beating a power five in prime time. And now it's your ta- now it's your chance to take the floor here, Bacon. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. So, um, you know, I was at the Texas Tech game 
um, and it was it was a really good environment. Uh, the the thing about that game, which first off, I'm going to say, I really hope that uh, uh, the linebacker for Texas Tech um, he had a brutal injury. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, essentially, it was a compound fracture on his leg um, that he really. Um, it was like first quarter, in the first quarter, really hurt his leg. I hope he's okay. Yeah, it looks like he, I saw a picture that Texas Tech released that he's staying in Raleigh for further medical stuff on that. So um, I think his last name is uh, Ramirez, um, but Bryce Ramirez, I think it's guy's name. So hopefully he's doing good. But, you know, that's, that game against Texas Tech, State really, I thought, could have scored more. They had an opportunity at the – um, first drive or second drive or so and somewhere in there um, had a really nice play for touchdown and it was called back because of like an illegal, illegal lineman downfield or something like that and then they kicked a field goal there was four points taken off the board and then there was another play I believe in the third quarter um, we were right on the 20 yard line or so through a touchdown uh, pass uh, well what, what should have been a touchdown pass to our running back he caught it was running in there. There's nobody there except for one linebacker. He didn't make the tackle, but he did knock the ball out right as he was crossing the goal line. I mean, like right as he was crossing it, and it was a it bottled in the back of the end zone. It was a touchback. Texas Tech gets the ball, and State gets no points. So that was a drive where we we had zero points instead of seven. So it could have been a lot bigger uh, vic margin of victory there. Um, so I think. Some state fans are kind of concerned, to be honest with you, about one. I know Devin Leary's preseason ACC Player of the Year, um, but I think people are still a little slightly concerned with uh, not that he's throwing the ball poorly, but um, could it be that with Emeka Messi's uh, departure to the NFL, does Devin Carter has been kind of quiet this season. Uh, I don't know if the word is kind of quiet. He's been quiet. Um, and Thayer Thomas has had some nice plays, but there's not really been this dynamic passing attack except for the uh, Charleston Southern game we had. There was some uh, surprisingly really nice run plays. That was a question mark for NC State coming into this season. Um, and they've looked really good doing it. I know – uh, Jordan Houston and the new running back Demi Sumo, uh, they've been really good, and that's been a really nice practice spot. But I'll tell you what, the NC State defense this year is, they are legit. I mean, that game against Texas Tech, you can chalk it up to, that was a defensive victory. Um, that Texas Tech offense throws for something like over 300 yards uh, a game, and they, they still threw for, I think, you know, some of those really close to that number. Um, but the defense had a pick six, um, had a, like, like four sacks on the game, um, you know, a, a multiple interceptions. I think it was three interceptions on the game, one of them being a pick six. So the defense has really proven themselves. And if it wasn't for the defense against ECU, that could have been a, a loss too um, early on in the season, which I don't think people realize how – that game is going to be for state fans week one on the road um so yeah i'm i'm optimistic about this season i think there's a lot still ahead everything's in front of nc state to do well this season i'm i, I don't think there should be much concern about beating uconn next week i state's a 40 point favorite at home um 
So I'm really looking forward to two weeks from now when we go to Clemson and have to play them in Death Valley. And I, I think with this ranking of State 12 and Clemson, if they can get this win against – or they play this game against Wake Forest this weekend, uh, that – I would not be surprised if that's a game day, ESPN College game day selection because that could be – Number 11, number 10, NC State, um, depending upon if anybody above them loses. But then I guess a, maybe a 5, 6, 7, maybe 4, Clemson. That could be a top 10 matchup uh, for college game day and deciding who wins the Atlantic at that game. So, um, yeah, I'm, I know defense travels. That will be really exciting. So there's a lot of stuff, but I'll tell you, Seeing how Florida State has played this season, seeing how Syracuse has played this season, um, we have those two games right after Clemson. So we you go you go UConn next week, and then at Clemson, Florida State at home, at Syracuse. That that stretch is looking a lot tougher than what it looked like going into the season. So um, I think State fans, we I talked about this on another. Um, show we have on Puffy Talk how last season I think state fans were more excited um, through the season because it was like wow we're, we're really playing well I think this season is okay we know we're good just go and do it on the field like go and take advantage of the opportunity that's presented to you here so um, yeah I think I think it could be a really special season um, it still could be a nine ten win season maybe some people like big game boomer uh who's this guy on twitter had him like in i see even some other analysts had state in the playoff which state fans think it's just like that's just crazy to think about i don't know if we're, we're not we're not there yet at all but um it's just it's an exciting season uh but i i think it's more like okay we know we have a good team now let's just go out there and win these games if you're really going to be that good just go and beat these teams. So I think there's a lot in store for NC State this season. I'm really excited to see what Dave Doran and the staff are going to do with them. Before we go to Jeff, uh, I just one quick thing, because I always say, and I've said this to Jeff before, and I think this I've said this to other people on Twitter. You know what game I think is the most important one for, for, for NC State, other than the obvious one where somebody says the next one, Macon? You know what game I think is most important? Which one? The game against Wake Forest, because I, I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think NC State is basically a a field goal made from being 0-5 in their, in, in their last five versus Wake Forest. Is that correct? Last, I think, I think NC State is basically one field goal away from being zero and five in their last five. They're one and four in their last five. Is my point against Wake Forest? Yeah, that's, that. yeah. that's the most important. I believe that's the most important game on your schedule. Well, I would, I would attend a, a most important game. Uh, beyond, yeah, I, I can get on board with that. I was, uh, I was talking about just the stretch of games, but yeah. Oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. No, I know what you're talking about. That's a, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and you're absolutely right because you brought up some really good points about how, uh, 
you brought up some really good points about how a lot of those teams weren't weren't as good as to be expected. You're going to get a much tougher battle from from Syracuse than you expected for sure. You're going to get a much much tougher battle from from Florida State than you probably expected. So I agree with everything that you said. I've just my my laser focus when I looked at that, I thought this 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 better be a game that they're watching closely. You know, I mean because you know if you want to do great things. It's like those things of like rectifying, rectifying mistakes from past years and that sort of thing. Well, yeah, I, I can tell you, um, it would not. I'll be completely. It would not surprise state fans for Wake Forest to win a game against State because they just have always seemed to be a thorn in our side, if you will. They they kind of. About 10, 15 years ago, it was more like, okay, well, they're not so great, and they would always find a way to beat State somehow, or State would find a way to lose the game. Now they've hired Dave Clawson, and they are just a fundamentally sound team. I didn't get to watch that Liberty game. Uh, I heard that was a little actually kind of iffy. But they – I can tell you, State does not look past Wake Forest. They, they just – They've got to be able to get that win, to your point. That could be a really big game, um, regardless on if you beat Clemson or not, because if you want to have that special season, you know, that is a must-win, because they're, they're, the, they're right there ranked, too. It's not like they're just a poor team or like a, a fringe top 25. They're, I think, right, ranked 21st this week. Uh, they were ranked 19th, I think, last week or so. Um, Sam Hartman... Dave Clawson, I'll tell you, I don't, I did not know how Dave Clawson stuck down a higher away from there. He is a great coach for them. I mean, he has built that program what it is now. They, they, he just seems to always be able to produce with what he has that are just not the the four star, five star guys. He gets like the three star, the two star guys, and he makes them into fundamentally sound players. Like I, I don't know, At Perry, I, I don't know where you know he came from but he is a great receiver um i think everybody knows the uh, uh running back who went to seattle got drafted up there in seattle uh now he played transferred out of wake forest to michigan state and um he was a great running back i can't remember the name off the top of my head but um they they've had a lot of really good talent so yeah wake forest definitely someone state's going to have to Make sure they get a win on. That is a critical, critical game for the Wolfpack. I mean, I mean, towards your point, I mean, I think we were kind of getting to this, but the ACC Atlantic division might really be one of the best divisions in college football this year. Yeah, they, they really could be. It's, it, I think that's just becoming more relevant as we're going along through the year, right? Because it's particularly because those two teams we mentioned, it's Florida State and Syracuse helping the case they are looking much better as people thought i think the disappointing side of it is that boston college has looked so poor lately and i think part of that is because they have replaced all of their starting offensive linemen and um they're just you know i think a lot of jeff halfley but they, they just don't look great um zay flowers great receiver um and uh Gerkovich, great quarterback but then you also like louisville Malik Cunningham, great quarterback. Um, I think their their running back uh, Cooley is a really good running back. But they just have they those two those two programs have just not lived up to what I thought they would be either. So there, but yeah, Atlantic could be is a very tough division this year. Um, 
it's just it, that's an underrated portion of college football, I think. A lot of other divisions and other conferences get a lot of um, attention, and I think the Atlantic deserves a lot of equal share in that attention. I'm with you 1,000%. I'm also going to agree with you on something. I didn't get a chance to say this earlier on the podcast. Uh, Jeff, you can correct. You can chime in, Jeff, if you disagree with me. But I agree with what Macon said about about uh, about North Carolina's coach Mac Brown being on the hot seat. He is on the. I'm sorry, he is on the hot seat. They have exceed. They have lowered. They have basically have not gone to expectations every year that he's been there. They pumped a ton of money into that program last year. They were six and six with a quarterback that everybody thought was the, you know, the next NFL great. And he should be on the hot seat. So yes, I would put, I, I would, I would put him, I would put him a, a little higher than Macon did. I think right now I put him at number three right now, but I'm probably being, uh, maybe I'd be a little difficult, a little difficult, but their defense has sucked every year that he's been there. And so I agree with you. I'm being a little harsh and more, more a little harsher, I guess, than make it make it was making was very polite. Well, and uh, I'm I mean, sorry, I they suck. I mean, I called them Swiss cheese. So, I mean, it was like, and I'm, and I realize I'm a state fan and I'm talking negative about Carolina right now. So I totally get the disclaimer here, but um, they, they, to me, the thing with Carolina is they have they bring in so much really good high school talent. Um, yes, they bring in so much good talent, and you're and I'm I feel like they just never can seem to do anything with it. They have like nice wins here and there, um, and but to your point that you just made, also like they had arguably the greatest quarterback in their program's history. And what did they do with them? I don't. I just like. I just feel like they wasted Sam Howell. I, that that might sound a little blunt, but I just feel like it's they couldn't win a road game last year, and he's now. I think he's got a very good chance to become the starter for the Washington Commanders, um, Sam Howell. But yeah, they, I mean they've got two really good. You know, this about this. Drake May was committed to Alabama. It was like Alabama or Carolina. He decommitted from Alabama committed to Carolina, partially because his dad played at Carolina. Um, he's from North Carolina. But they get they get four-star talent, like solid four-star talent, at least on paper, all the time. And it just seems like they just cannot breed success on the three divisions of the game, the offense, defense, and special teams. So they have good players. You know, I'm not saying state's perfect. I just don't. I just feel like they always have this huge amount of hype, and it's. Like no, I agree with you, and and they hire, and they and they and they have like a incredible cornerback, uh, right? D- Dre Bly bringing in all these great co- cornerback recruits. A corner, you know, he's their cornerbacks coach, but he seems to be forgetting coaching that area. Yeah, I, Gosh, I'm sorry, I, I sound yeah, like I'm I, smart ass. And that's to me where I come back to like. Was that higher? Like Dre Bly, I don't even know if he, I don't remember know if he had coached anywhere to be honest before Carolina. He may have. I'm not saying he has, but he was not like a wow, what a really great hire. He's got this really good coaching acumen. Like 
<laughs> they did hire Gene Chizik back, but he didn't do well the last time he was at Carolina, which was not that long ago. And, um, you know, he was there, I think Gene Chizik was there with Fedora. Um, so it wasn't, it was probably what, what, five years ago, six years ago. And, um, I, I think they've got, I, I mean, they've got good players. You know, the Ham, the Hampton and Petaway, the two freshman running backs, you've got, uh, they had, I think his guy's name is Zudu, was the li- offensive lineman who got drafted last year. Drake May, the quarterback. Um, Storm Duck, really good, great name, first of all. But he, uh, as a corner, he's a great corner. Maybe he's a safety, he's a DB. Great player. Um, I just don't see it coming together. And until I feel like they get a really legit coach in there, um, I feel like it was – I feel like the Mac Brown hire was a safe hire, to be honest with you. It was like, hey, we were really bad against Fedora. Let's get a guy in who's got some nostalgia with the program. Um, he knows recruiting in the area. Um, but I don't – I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to keep going on and on about it. But there's so much potential there for Carolina. The, the alumni, the money there. Obviously, there's the draw from the Jordan brand. They just – cannot find sustained success. And I just, as a state fan, my bias is showing here. It makes me very happy, but it's also like, I, I, I just don't get it. Like they've been, it seems like they have moments and they just cannot get there. So maybe they get this win against Notre Dame this week. And that'll be a really big solidifying, uh, you know, token for them to get that win. But I just, I really think they've really stunk um, defensively and, and, would be interesting to see them hopefully get there because it's good for the ACC for them to do well. All, all good points, Jeff, buddy. You're up. All right. Uh, you know, speaking as a Georgia Tech fan, fire Jeff Collins. Just fire him today. Today, Todd Stansbury, just fire the guy. That was a complete. It's just another one of his repeated. I've been holding this in like the whole podcast. Uh, it's just another one of these debacles on their home field. Um, Forty-two to zero to Ole Miss. Completely unprepared. Uh, no, no energy to the team. Fourteen to zero down before you know people were even done filling the stadium. Uh, three block punts the first three weeks of the season. Just fire the guy. I don't care if if a can of tuna is the in a interim coach. Okay. <laughs> Just fire the guy. Jeff's a Georgia Tech alum, Megan. <laughs> well, I, I mean, obviously he's very passionate about firing this guy. So. <laughs> Just fire him already. Let me ask this question: What was the um that call when they played? Uh, I think it was Clemson that he did not call he did not kick the field goal i think it was or he didn't he didn't call a timeout and he punted to clemson going into halftime with a few seconds left so because he or something like that he was scared to give the ball back to clemson with like a hair bit of time going to halftime and it was like this big discussion of why did you do that i think it, i think it was punting the ball or holding i can't remember what it was it was some play call in the clemson game it was like you probably know you probably remember it. Uh, you're, as a right. Fan. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, yeah, I do. He he had some kind of, you know, bizarre explanation about how he was worried that D- Dabo Sweeney was going to call a, a a trick play. Um, yeah. Just something completely off the wall explanation that even the announcers were trying so hard, you know, not to not to to laugh as they were trying to explain his logic. But I mean, it's just like. I mean, every other game is something like that that he does. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think it's time for Georgia Tech. I don't. The only thing is, maybe you don't. I don't know what his his contract is, but Georgia Tech, that the money at this point, I don't feel like should be a major issue. They just he's been there long enough. Just, let's just move on. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, they're they're hemorrhaging money as it is. Um, you know, donations dry up, ticket sales dry up. Um. The, the program is, is at its lowest point since at least the 80s and maybe in the history of the of the program uh, you know what he what he's done you know to, to my alma mater just kind of like I look at it and like how you almost have to be intentional of how bad he's how he's been <laughs> and how how you know he's talked about how difficult it would be to replace Paul Johnson and transition that offense. His replacement is going to have 10 times more difficult transition uh, because he's going to have to not only, you know, overturn the roster, which, which uh, Collins has let degrade, even though he's on paper is recruited better. They're going to have to completely institute a, a culture of where these players can actually think they can win a football game again and, and be competitive. I mean, when he took over from Paul Johnson, they were they were basically a perennial bowl team, um, an occasional top twenty-five team, and and once in a while even a top ten team. And and he's he's destroyed that as well. Um, I, I mean, there's no. Here. I was just looking up here. Uh, uh, his contract buyout three days ago. There's an article written about uh, what would the cost be to buy out his contract. It's ten and a half million. So, do you got ten and a half million? You can get him out. I, I mean, it's 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 either you're either going to lose it now or, or lose it later if you if you, if you retain him. Uh, the, I mean, the only reason is if you know if it comes down like seven million dollars, like Scott Frost in in three weeks, which you know if you're a Big Ten school, maybe you can afford that. And in, in that case, I would say you wait three weeks. Um, you know, to fire him. But I mean, if it's 10 million now and, and 10 million at the end of the season, then you just got to make a move uh, because you can't have attendance figures in the, in the twenty thousands and having, you know, 25, 30,000 empty seats in the stadium uh, like that. I mean, football is supposed to be your revenue generating uh, sport and, and you can't continue uh, that way with Jeff Collins. Um, you just got to fire him. There, there's, there's no other, they have no other choice at, at this point. The, the team packed it in on them. Uh, clearly there's a, there's a video running around of their defensive coordinator. I think it was Andy Thacker on the sideline with 12 minutes left in the game. And he's just sitting in his seat, you know, looking at uh, one of those laminated, I guess with the play calls, but he wasn't even looking at what was going on at the field. I mean, even his coaches have quit on him. So, um, I mean, you can, you can fire if, you know, the 10 million is, is a side, but if you can, can manage your way around that, just put an interim coach, 
fire him and, and start looking at guys like the offensive coordinator at Georgia, Todd Mockin, if he's interested, uh, Sean Clark at App State, uh, Chadwell th- uh, there at um, Coastal Carolina. I mean, I've even seen Deion Sanders' name tossed around. Um, you know, hey, give give Dion a look. He's, he may be wanting to move up from, from Jackson State and, um, you know, put in a few years at, at Georgia Tech before he even moves on to a big-name school. But, yeah, I'm just going to end it right there. Just, just fire the guy. There's, there's no point holding on to him any further. He, he's been a complete embarrassment to, to Georgia Tech and, and probably one of the worst Power 5 hires at, at any school at the Power 5 level in the last 25 years. That's it. I'm done. That was a lot holding in after this weekend in the last three years. Yeah, sounds like you're like, yeah, sounds like you're ready to go, Jeff. I mean, let, me ask, <laughs> let me just ask you a follow-up question, Jeff. I mean, just a quick follow-up because you've got Josh Pastner there too. At, at you know for hoops. Yep. <laughs> you're like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you've got there's there are you know as like I'm an auditor for my full time day job, right? And we always talk about, and you guys know this. Organizations have limited resources. What what do you do? What what are you doing with all that in terms of priorities and seeing things like that? Because now I'll be fair. Josh Pastor won the ACC during you know it was during COVID, but he still won the ACC, right? right. So he's got that. He's got that. You would you could say that he's got that probably he's got probably bought himself at least a couple of years with that. So you, I think I'm with you in saying that football is the priority. But you know, but Macon brought up a really good point here. That's a lot. You know, that's a lot of cash. You know, and even you know Virginia Tech probably kind of waited a while when it you know did its thing with Fuente, but you know they paid him. I mean, they did what you advocated, Jeff. I mean, they they let him go after the Duke game with a couple games left in the season. And I'm wondering, you know, do you, do you think is Georgia Tech the kind of institution that will do that? Will they get? Will they round up that cash and do that? I, I mean, the the word is is that they had the money last year, but that the AD uh, Stansbury wanted to give uh, Collins uh, one more year. So I, I think. I think the money's there to make it happen. And to your point about Passner, um, I mean, if you listen to the pa- the podcast, you know, I'm not his biggest fan, and and I think he's been mediocre. But there's a difference between being mediocre as a head coach and just being downright, completely incompetent and embarrassing. Which 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 whereas Collins stands, I mean, um, you know, Passner does have the ACC title. No matter what anyone says, you can't take that away from him. Uh, he's he's had games. Where they've they've looked good, they have some upsets of top twenty teams. Uh, you know, they made an NIT. They've had moments under Passner. In, in fairness to to him, um, I, I don't think he's necessarily a great coach. But when you compare the two, I, I mean, Pat, Josh Passner is John Wooden compared to Jeff Collins. To be honest. Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good, Jeff. Very good. Well done. Macon, thanks for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show, and we would love to have you come back on this show anytime you want to come on. Oh, yeah, guys. Really appreciate the opportunity and the honor to join y'all's podcast. I definitely, like I said, I look forward to 
talking with you guys. I think this is a really fun show y'all are doing. So keep up the good work. And, uh, yeah, um, we'd love to be back. Thank you for the yep, kind yep. words. You guys have a great week. All right, Take care. All right, bye, guys.